The federal government just reported that the rate of inflation for the last 12 months was 8.5%, close to a 40-year high. This is Dan Perkins with Blacks and Whites. Prices continue to rise on other commodities besides oil. I ask you, what are you going to do to protect your money and your investment? It's time for you to take a serious look at gold for your portfolio. If you've had enough empty promises and misleading statements by the Biden government, isn't it time for you to take control of your money and your future? Go to blacksandwhites.us and on the homepage, click the bar of gold to be taken directly to IRA and Advisors Metals to ask the question, is gold right for me? It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together, talking again about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in your right of American free speech. It's time for Black and White. Welcome back to Black and White. And joining us today is a gentleman I've had the opportunity to interview on uh, several occasions. And uh, Jerome Corsi, he has a new book out. And we've invited him to come in and talk about his book and whatever else crosses his uh, incredible mind. Jerome, thank you for coming back. Uh, Dan's always a great pleasure. I really enjoy talking with you and looking forward to this. Okay. So to tell the people about the book, why did you write it? And what's the storyline? Okay. Well, the book is, and I'll show it to you. The book is the, there it is, the truth about energy, global warming, and climate change. And the subtitle that I think you can read is, uh, climate lies in an age of disinformation. Okay, so what the book is about is to try to, it, it explains how many lies we've been told about global warming, uh, carbon dioxide uh, being the cause of uh, the earth warming up unduly, causing catastrophic weather change, etc. We've all heard the story from Al Gore. Uh, and I explain not only why the science that the global warming crowd is using is junk science, and it is, but also how they got there, what was the thinking. So I go back into the Malthusian and the other thought patterns going back a long way, but focusing on World War II afterwards to show how the neo-Marxists, Green New Deal, AOC, et cetera, have captured an environmental movement that had a twist in it with the Malthusians to where they think there's too many people. They basically want to eliminate, they'd be happy to eliminate half the world, number of people, half the pop, billions of people. They join with the globalists in this endeavor. And if they can get us to stop using hydrocarbon fuels, I, I believe they know that these other forms of energy, wind and solar will not do the job to replace hydrocarbon fuels, they don't care. People starve if we have lesser economic activity, if we have a lower standard of living, uh, like uh, the current Biden administration, they'll say, it's the price you pay for being bad. You know, you are evil to burn hydrocarbon fuels and therefore you're being punished. And when we're finished with you, you're gonna be eating bugs and you won't be living as well, but now it'll be a better place for all of us. They don't intend to be eating the bugs. Right, right. You know, I, I, uh, um... But tell the audience I had an opportunity to interview Jerome earlier this week, and, and that was that was fun. It's always fun to talk with him. But but Jerome, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm a talk show host. I'm a, I try to be well read and study things. And um, 
I've come to the, this conclusion. If you try to eliminate CO2 from the atmosphere, how do plants grow? How do plants grow? How do, how do we have crops that can grow to feed the world? And so the elimination of CO2 is an indirect way to kill billions of people because it won't save the planet, but it will destroy the planet because there will be no growth because there isn't enough CO2 in the atmosphere to stimulate the growth of plants and food substance. Am I wrong? That's correct. And also, if we can't use hydrocarbon fuels, we, have, we are essentially going to have a much less reliable and more expensive form of energy. Mm -hmm. It will mean that the middle class goes away. It's already going away. $5 a gallon for gasoline. Wait till it gets to be $10. It's going to be there. Uh, intentionally. Because um, I, I'm going to point out that hydrocarbon fuels are natural produced by the earth on an ongoing basis. There is no shortage. I've been saying this since I wrote Black Gold Stranglehold in 2005. I've known this since I was a kid. I can show you the equations for how oil is synthesized by the earth. It's not scarce. Fresh water is scarcer than hydrocarbon fuels on the earth. And um, the point is that these are abundant, cheap sources of energy which, which drive a capitalist system which has been the most effective way found in the earth and the world so far to produce economic activity that supports growing populations. Mm -hmm. in, the, in a glacial warming period, uh, which so even taking from the Napoleonic era when the little ice age ended to today, we've gone from you know, 1 billion people struggling to 8 billion people worldwide. It's been very productive. We could do twice as many hydroponic Farming in the deserts, we could grow anything year round. Plenty of sunlight, just needs mm -hmm. water. So, the greatest human resource, Julian Simon was right, is human intelligence. These people, the, the Malthusians, the globe, you know, Klaus Schwab, the Al Gore's or the Bill Gates's and their private airplanes, are afraid there's too many of us. We're going to use up resources they want for themselves. And if the rest of us die, we're just, we have to be fed. They think that by not feeding us, there'll be more food for themselves. It, it's a self-defeating thought. It's almost like marching yourself into suicide. That's what I write in the book, is that we depend upon there being a growing number of people with a growing talent source to be able to develop the technologies that we all need on this planet. You know, look, it, it took from, the humanoids 10 million years ago to the invention of the telephone. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Suddenly we get the telephone and then, you know, we're, we're basically in television. Now we've got cell phones. That's a very short period of time because again, we've got the human capacity. We, the, you know, the knowledge in this sense is cumulative and we've got the ability, the talent to make it happen. You know, this was Julian Simon who was a Jew a Holocaust celebration realized six million people have been killed many times in this world by different things. But these particular six million people, not only chosen people with God's special wishes, but we eliminated a very important gene pool of talent. How many, you know, how many 
musical geniuses? How many scientific geniuses, literary geniuses did we kill and waste the gene pool? Now, that's the kind of thing he meant when he said human beings and human intelligence are the greatest resource we've got. The primary focus of this book is to deconstruct these things. I mean, carbon dioxide. It's a trace element in the environment. It's like point. <clears throat> 0.4 of 1%, four hundredths of 1% of the atmosphere. When the earth was first formed 4.6 billion years ago, 80% of the earth, just like 80% of the time before we had the telephone, there was nothing on the surface of this planet that was alive. It took until the, the whole pre-Cambrian period, 80% of earth's existence, nothing walked around the surface of the earth alive. It's been the last... 20% of our surface that all of this has gone on. Five extinctions. Dinosaurs here for 100 million years. Initially, we had huge concentrations of carbon dioxide. About 500 million years ago, they started diminishing. 175 million years ago, there was 7,500 7, parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Today, there are 400 parts per million. It's barely measurable. And they say doubled since the industrial age. Starting the industrial age, it was only 200 parts per million. Now, this is a insignificant uh, compound in the atmosphere, but it happens to be plant food. And it happens to be very fundamental to the existence of life on Earth, photosynthesis. And without carbon dioxide, we're basically dead in the water. Mm -hmm. And the Earth generates hydrocarbons naturally. And, okay, I read a chapter on abiotic fuel, which says that when we die, decomposing material decomposes into the constituent chemicals from which it was created. Person dies. We bury them because they're going to decompose. And they're going to stink. We don't dig them. We don't put, you know, rubber liner in the casket because they're going to turn into oil. The Bible says dust into dust. It doesn't say dust into oil. Right. It would violate the second principle of thermodynamics, which is the principle of entropy. In other words, energy dissipates if there's an energy pumped into it to sustain it. Energy goes to where there's no energy. So a living tissue has got a lot of energy in it. I'm alive. You're alive. Life spirit is producing a lot of energy. We're bringing, we're eating. We're bringing, the energy is accumulating in our body and continuing to perpetuate the organic structure with which we exist. We die. That stops. These chemicals go through entropy back into chemicals. They don't go into oil. The earth on the other hand, you know, the Fisher science, the Fisher Trops equations, which were done by the Germans, Germans in World War II, this was during the Weimar Republic, between the two wars. Germany said, we don't have any, we got a lot of coal, we don't have any oil. How do we make petroleum products? We need airplane fluid, we need diesel fuel for our tanks, we need to have gasoline for our cars. How do we do it? They learned how to synthesize coal and oil. By doing so, they came up with the formulas that show the chemical synthesis of oil at a natural basis. It's always abused me since I was a kid. 
they say organic chemistry. So what's organic chemistry? Oh, it's carbon. Why? Because, well, carbon-based products are organic from plants and animals. That's where we get hydrocarbon fuels. So therefore we have organic chemistry. I said, you know, you guys are, are dumber than a duck hit over the head with a board. So there's only chemicals. They are alive. Some of them aren't alive and some of them aren't dead. They're just, you can synthesize urea. You can synthesize urine. You don't need a body to produce it and piss it. You can synthesize it. It's just basic chemicals. So when I began looking at this, I said, okay, if the earth is producing hydrocarbon fuels, they can be safely burned because the earth doesn't produce something that can't be used. And the hydrocarbon fuels burning carbon dioxide in this entire complex system of the earth's atmosphere, the earth's climate, the earth's weather pattern has become insignificant because the world has become more productive in generating life. And it's, and there is no right temperature for the earth. Before we end the segment, I wanna make one more point. We've been here as humanoids 10 million years. There's had five extinctions in the last 500 million years. Dinosaurs are gone. They were here 100 million years ago. And as far as the earth's concerned, we're just the latest creatures walking around the surface of the earth. The earth didn't invent temperature to make us feel better. It is not produced to our pleasure. The earth's temperature, entropy, the heat is distributed around the earth. It's a natural process. The earth doesn't care if we like it or not, or it's good for us or not. We happen to be here because it's conducive to what we need and we are produced. As far as the earth's concerned, if things change and they change cataclysmically all the time and we're gone, the earth is still going to be here. We're a okay. detail. We have to we have to pause here, but before we do, how can people get the book? Um, it's available uh, online, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, Books a Million. They'll ship it to you. They've got stock and they're shipping it. Bookstores, it's in the bookstores, but you better be prepared to go and ask them to find it in their computer because I'm sure they put it in the back underneath some books in archaeology that nobody buys because they don't want it read. You'll have to hunt for this book in the bookstores. Okay. We'll be uh, right back to continuing our conversation with Jerome Corsi on, on his new book. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Dan Perkins, and this message is just for moms. Are you worried about how much money you have lost in your investment account? Are you concerned if it will recover? Inflation is 9.1%, and I believe it's really higher than that, and I think you would agree. You have experienced rising prices for food, gasoline, and many other items. Isn't it time for you to consider investing in gold with some of your money to protect your future? Start by finding out if gold is right for you. Go to the Black and White's website and click on the gold bar. You'll get a couple of questions, and then we'll forward you on to Ira, our gold guru. He will help you figure out if it's right for you. Check it out. Welcome back. And we're continuing our interesting conversation with Jerome Corsi and his new book. So show him the cover. Yep, Thank you. It's right there. The truth about energy, global warming, and climate change by Jerome Corsi. 400 pages, thousand pages. Significant book. Significant book. Uh, we were finishing up in the first segment, Jerome, when you were talking about uh, one of the cataclysmic events was the the destruction of six million Jews and the gene pool that was result of Hitler and his people in the Second World War. And I said during the break, I have been talking 
for a long time, many years, that we, we have no idea how many people who could be solving a lot of problems never got a chance to because they were the 63 million babies that were aborted and killed in this, in this country alone. 63 million, that's more than 10 times, 10 times of what Hitler did in the Second World War. What a terrible waste of human resources. I, I agree entirely. I think it's a very important point that, again, uh, we should welcome new souls into the world, no, new babies, because who knows which, who might be the next Einstein that we might kill. Right. Beethoven, Beethoven's mother wanted to have an abortion. She wanted to get rid of him. You know, it was an inconvenient pregnancy for her. She just didn't do it. And uh, had she done it, we wouldn't have had Beethoven. I mean, you know, we've got to take into consideration that Julian Simon was right. Uh, or I put it another way in the book. I point out that um, the people who are propagating this idea of global warming, Al Gore, all the rest of the nutcases, none of the predictions have come true. The seas have not risen. You know, the Barack Obama is still buying uh, oceanfront property in Martha's Vineyard. Does not worry about the seas rising. We're, they want us to quit living normally. And, and these are the people who also, critical race theory, that's my second book will be about this neo-Marxism and the critical race theory and the truth about it. But part of the truth about it is, you know, it's almost schizophrenic. But the point is, do we really want to, talk, to not use hydrocarbon fuels because we're being dictated to by a bunch of people who can't tell us what a woman is? Well, but I, I, have to, I have to stop you there because I have to ask you this question. What is it about the message that the messengers gain so much power and influence over the average people? What, what happened there? It's, it's a very important question, Dan. I've studied it for a lot of time in my life. I used to, there's a book, I have it here on my shelf, Charles McKay. It's called um, Popular Delusions and the Madness of the Crowds. Yes, read it. <laughs> well, my father had a copy of it when I was a kid, and I borrowed it from him. And then uh, I, I, I didn't give it back. I really loved that book. So I finally said, if you don't give me a, a book back, I'm going to come up to Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I'm going to take it back from, so you, you've got in my book, give it back. So I finally <laughs> sent it back to him. It's a wonderful book. Yes. Because what McKay understood was that it's a lot easier to fool people with a folly, a craze, some idea that captures their minds. These women are, are, are you know, captured by the devil and they become witches. So we need to kill them and burn them at the stake. Well, how many women that just, you know, were maybe a little different or didn't think like everybody else uh, got burned at the stake because they didn't go along with whatever the conformist thought of it. Or, hey, I've got a good idea. Let's everybody here in Europe Let's all leave our homes, leave our families, and, and walk on foot to the Holy Land where we'll be, defeat the Israels and take back the Holy Land for Christianity. And, it, and Europe goes through this madness of crusades. Or you're in, you know, you're in Holland, and somehow they get the idea that these tulips, which produce these various colors, are very valuable. They all buy these tulip bulbs until they realize they're rotting and there's no market for them. People have spent you know, thousands of dollars for a tulip bulb 
as worthless. In yep. popular delusions, human beings are, the ideas sweep through humanity. Um, that's, I discussed that at length in this new book. I got, I, my father was a public relations and a lobbyist in Washington, and I, um, I keep worked my way through college in public relations. I got to meet, spend time with Edward Bernays, who was the father of public relations. He wrote a book on propaganda in the 30s. He was really very, very good on understanding how you can take a lie and, and make it a common belief, take any idea. So he understood the power of how ideas spread from almost like a contagion. And, and the bad ideas spread more easily than the good ideas. Hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> we're dealing with a phenomenon here that is a complete craze. And, and you know, it's like the witch hunts, it's going to pass. And the future generations are going to say, how could these people have been so stupid to think that we are warming the planet? Okay, now another fundamental idea I deal with in the book. Go outside someday. And look up in the sky, and that big yellow-orange thing up there is called the sun. And the sun is not a tree ornament. It it's actually the source of all heat and all light in our solar system, including the Earth. It, it doesn't come from carbon dioxide. It comes from the sun. Now, the left wants to diminish the importance of the sun. Okay, but all the major cycles of Earth's weather and temperature uh, the ice ages are related to, for instance, to the uh, Milankovitch cycles, which are a, a set of equations that show how the Earth goes around the sun. It's not a circle. It's an ellipsis, like an egg. And it gets more ellipse every 100,000 years. It gets farther from the sun. It's extreme. And that's when we have the ice ages, because there's less sun on Earth. When the Earth is less active, it's dormant, not as many sunspots as happened in 1615 to 1715. Call that the Maunder minimum, which was a period of time when the Earth got cold, not because of the orbit, because the sun got lazy. Sun sometimes is very active, sometimes very lazy. And we don't know why, except it goes through cycles. Now, cycle 24, which we've just come out of, I believe, was a dormant, was relatively dormant. Cycle 25 looks to me like it's starting out dormant. We won't know fully for a while yet. And I think we're headed back into an ice age because these interglacial periods are about, you know, 25 to 50,000 years. There's a range. And we're pretty well into it. But it may take another 25,000 years to get there. You can't judge because we've got a warm summer in Arizona, doesn't mean burning hydrocarbon fuels is gonna be the end of us. It's a crazy nonsense that's being taught to our children. So they believe we're evil because we use gasoline in our cars. But, but Jerome, um, I have to ask you this question. When, we, when you talked about the, uh, the, the tulip crisis or the tulip mania, as it was called, um, they eventually realized that the, the bulbs were really worthless, whether they were rotting or not. People were eating them to survive. And people were paying out absorbent prices for the tulip bulbs. But my question is, given, as you've said a few moments ago, that almost all the predictions have never happened, 
the most recent predictions by AOC and the like are the, the world is going to end in nine years or eight years. Should there be consequences if we don't die in nine years? Should, there, should, should these people have to suffer some consequence for misleading us and manipulating us for all this time to something that never really happened? Well, then we'd have to admit how foolish we were to believe them in the first place. So the peak oil people who've been predicting since the 50s we would run out of oil, you know, M. King Hubbard drew this, you know, ordinary the normal distribution chart on a napkin and said, there's only so many dinosaurs, there's only so many oils, only so many plankton, only so much organic material, only so much oil. So we're going to run out. I said, nonsense. It never came from bio bio biological sources to begin with. And I fought with these people. I wrote Black Gold Strangle in 2005. They said every unimaginably evil thing about me in the world. They, they took everything. I did. They were, did everything they could not to refute my arguments, but to demean me personally. Okay, now I couldn't care less. I've been I've always thought a little different than every, I've, I've been going through this since I was a kid. So it doesn't, I couldn't care less what other people think about me. It doesn't affect who I am or what I think or, and usually I know that they're, you know, I hope they'll come out of their delusion soon. It may be that like the people with the tulips will be having put millions of dollars and then we'll have be eating them to survive having believed in global warming and having abandoned hydrocarbon fuel, we might be happy to eat the bugs before we realize that this was nonsense. Wow. Now, that's, what I'm, that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book to try in an effort I think will fail to one last time explain to people in a way they could read why they've been told such nonsense masquerading as science. If they would only take the time to read the book, understand how the earth works, what the, what the temperature is about, how, what we've learned studying it over the years, that in fact, there are cycles. This is a cataclysmic place. So the dinosaur, the big point of this book that the scientists commented on is important, but yet revolutionary in the thinking. The dinosaurs died 65 million years ago because A, a giant asteroid hit the Yucatan and had created tsunamis all the way up to North Dakota, killed everything in its path. And B, there were, hundred, there were thousands of years of volcanic activity in India, threw sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere, blocked out the sun, and ended photosynthesis on the Earth. So there's nothing to eat. Mm -hmm. And three, expanding Earth theory, at this point in time, and there's good evidence from the how old the bottoms of the seas are compared to the continents, the Earth expanded. It's not that all the continents were in one glob and the water and the continents broke up, which is the current plate theory. That would be an unstable planet. It would rotate and flip out of existence. Its axis of mass would not be coincidental to its axis of rotation. What happened, I believe, is it went from the size of a tennis ball, the size of a softball. The furry parts became the continents. The gravity was too big for these dinosaurs of their size to move around structurally, and they died. These All three massive cataclysmic events were required to have an extinction and do something fundamental, change the Earth. And it's happened five times. It's not a stable place. We could have the Ring of Fire in the Pacific go tomorrow. The volcanic activity would last a million years. We could have another giant asteroid hit us. NASA's missing them all the time.
say, oh, there's another one coming by. We didn't know about it. It'll be by in a week. One of those is going to hit us. And so, therefore, the idea this is a stable place, except for hydrocarbon fuels and burning a little carbon dioxide, is another misconception that is folly if you begin to understand the real science. That's what I wrote this book to show people. And hopefully, I'll get enough audience to know to read it, pass on the word, because Dan, it's only going to be through shows like yours that anybody's going to hear about this. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I'm looking forward to talking to you real soon in an extended version. Thank you for joining us. This is Jerome Corsi, and you can get his book at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and uh, buy it. Thank you for joining us. My great pleasure. Thank you, Dan. You bet. Hello, this is Dan Perkins, your host for Black and White, and I'm also an investment advisor with over 50 years of experience in investing. Inflation is at a near 50-year high and perhaps going higher. The capital markets for the first six months of 2022 was the worst performing in almost 50 years. Two generations and perhaps more have never experienced this level of inflation. You may have had some significant declines in your portfolio of investments in the first six months and are asking, what does the future hold? And by the way, what should I be doing now? I have grave concerns that we have not seen the peak in inflation. And because it may be around for some time, I want to introduce you to the Black and White Gold Ownership Program run by Ira and his team at Advisor Metals. So go to blacksandwhites.us and click on the gold bar to take you directly to Ira to work with him to see if gold is right for you and your portfolio in protecting your investments. This is Dan Perkins. Thanks for listening.